Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Switch It, the podcast that's stopping at the door to ask just one more thing. After England sealed an unprecedented, unprecedented whitewash of Sri Lanka earlier in the week, what would Lieutenant Colombo make of that 3-0 scoreline? I'm joined by a pair of hard-bitten gumshoes in Mark Butcher and Andy Miller to unravel a famous victory. And we'll also cast an eye over events in the Caribbean, where England's women came unstuck in the World T20 final. Um, first up, Butch, uh, looking very dapper today. Mm, or, yeah. What is it, job interview or court appearance? Listen, um, uh, <laughs> both, actually. You're but showing yeah, us up. I always, I always like to go for a job interview before I get sentenced. Um, <laughs> and this, this is pretty much like a sentencing, to be honest with you, every single week. Uh, no, but ever yeah, you've got, you got life on this one. Ever since you've been on camera, I figured it was you know, just to show everybody how dreadful you two look every day when you come in. I thought I'd show you up with it. <laughs> it didn't need doing, but, uh, but yeah, he put the effort in, which we applaud. Um, never mind how, how weak... Uh, Sri Lanka was, as, as some people have seen fit to, to point out repeatedly over the past uh, yeah. week or two. This was a, this was a famous win uh, for England. Only their third uh, whitewash away from home uh, they've ever inflicted. First the time they've done it in Asia. This is in a series of three tests or more. Um, it, it was, this is something to be uh, applauded and lauded and uh, sung to the to the rafters. Well, yeah, I mean, singing is, is absolutely right. I think, was, <laughs> I think so there was somebody who tweeted it was three weeks before the Beatles' first album came out um, since England have, have inflicted a, a whitewash away from 1963. home. 1963. Yeah. In um, New Zealand. New Zealand. One point. <laughs> Very well done. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be reading that website. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for a bonus, uh, they've only ever done it once elsewhere. Which was in 1896. <laughs> well, there we go. Millers. <laughs> Millers, no, it was in 1896. In what country? It had to be. Was it? I'm going to say South Africa, just because they were rubbish around there. Uh, the Full House. Well, ah, there we go. that's <laughs> very, very good. <laughs> very, well, so these are rare occurrences. They are rare occurrences, and um, as you know, the, we, when we previewed the Test series, um, you know, sort of racking our brains to try and work out what eleven England might possibly pick out of the options that they had. Um, you know, I remember saying right at the very end that no matter what happens, if England come back with a win, it's an astonishing achievement. Um, you know, the Sri Lanka are not are not a great side. Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. There's there's no no uh, metric by which they can be uh, described as as that. Um, but they tend to beat people at home um, and comfortably. Uh, and England tend to be absolutely shocking in conditions whereby their seam bowlers um, aren't taking any wickets. And between... Um, and their seam bowlers didn't take any wickets. And the seamers didn't take any wickets. Ben Stokes took five in the series. Jimmy Anderson took one. Stuart Broad took none. Um, and there was only one other wicket taken by seam, wasn't there? Sam Curran took one. Um, and the other 50, whatever it is, 53 or so were taken... Uh, not quite as many as that. Um, about the, the other forty nine, yeah, a couple well, of so. runouts were, were all taken by spin. So I mean, in, England in these conditions are generally very, very bad, um, and they have uh, and they've just played quite brilliantly, really, in a in a way, um, you know, that hasn't relied upon any one individual in particular. Um, they've got absolutely the very best out of the resources that they had at their disposal, which is a, a real, um, you know, a real feather in the cap for. The selectors who, who picked the squad in the first place, and then Joe Root and Trevor Bayliss and Co for sort of for finding the right combination. Even, albeit that, in some cases, that that was um, 
more by uh, by accident than design with with injuries etc but still um, you know I, I don't think they can be praised highly enough I think it's a, a, an absolutely brilliant brilliant achievement remember how um, you know how, how lauded NASA's team were for winning back in uh, back in the early 2000s um, and you know I suppose arguably you could say that that team was was more was better equipped to have done it against a team that had more Litherin in it um, than this England side is mm. um, against, against these guys. Back in that side. So yeah, I mean it's it's a brilliant achievement. I don't think that that, that even Sanjay Mandraker um, <laughs> should perhaps be able to acknowledge that. <laughs> I, so I do think that he should be able to acknowledge that. I don't think he will, but I think he should. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, he has been active on Twitter. Um, we won't give too much time to. to, to um, his thoughts here, but um, George, uh, who, who we uh, we have got a lot of time for, George Sabell, written about this uh, being uh, the sense of this being a new team. Uh, obviously, uh, the significant period of significant moment in Joe Root's captaincy, um, going back to NASA winning in, in kind of 2000-2001, um, that was a, a key building block in his in his um, tenure in charge. Does this feel like a defining series? For, for Joe Root, I yeah. think it really does because, uh, as as we discussed on previous pods, it felt as though he was a guy who was who wasn't in command of of the the direction the side was headed. It looked like uh, the test team was was all at sea, even as recently as last summer when you know they they won four one against India, but it looked as though they were winning a little bit by accident because they were relying on their tail to bail them out too often. Now it's becoming more apparent that actually no, this is this is a completely different strategy they're taking into into this series. They, you know, there's no no sign of uh, Duncan Fletcher's forward press say in the, in this series. Instead, we've got the extraordinary scenario, and uh, it was one of the most revealing interviews I thought of, of of the winter was Joss Butler explaining how he changed his mind about how to play midway through the series. He'd played, played the sweep shot to perfection to to get England to enough runs to win the second test with abandon and then decided you know what I'm not going to play the sweep today I'm just going to dance down the pitch like Michael Clark and use my feet and it's just like they're <laughs> thinking on their feet they're, 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 they're a side who don't seem to have to go in with a set plan they're, they're able to adapt and, and, and find the, the way in which to skin the cat on every different occasion partly that's down to the extraordinary options in their lineup in that mm. any one of nine or ten batsmen could realistically play the defining innings and they've got six or seven bowlers who could come to the party as we saw with Adil Rashid getting five for in that first innings but then none for 73 in the defining fourth innings but it didn't matter because it was the other spinners who came to the party that day so England have got this amazing ability to mesh around and, and fill the gaps where they appear in their lineup. and uh, I've been incredibly impressed with, with the way they, they, it's all come together um, I must say there was there was one fascinating bit of analysis. Um, uh, I think it was yesterday morning with uh, Jeffrey Boycott making the point that uh, this is a great win, but it tells us nothing about the Ashes. That's exactly the point. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it tells us nothing about the Ashes because England have, have, have finally managed to banish this sense that that it's all about home conditions and never mind what goes on overseas. Mm. It's extraordinary to think that you know the the pillars of the team for the last three years and. Again, this goes back to your original point about is Joe Root found his, his niche. Alistair Cook, obviously not there, and Anderson and Broad take uh, 150 between them, and yet England win 3 0. I mean, that has got to be, you know, with no, with, with <coughs> no, um, it's not doing, doing those great players a disservice to say that it is a good thing for England that they're not reliant on, on the guys who've been doing it for 10 years. Root even yeah. dropped a couple of catches off Broad just, broad just to, uh, <laughs> just to rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, uh, the, uh, the beauty, I suppose, of, of of what they've done and what they've been able to do is 
is based around the fact that they've got an enormous amount of people who are incredibly skillful. And if there is a skill deficit in in in, in one um, facet of one player's game, another another player makes up for it. Um, you know, and and that's kind of how they've they've won the series as a as a twelve, thirteen, fourteen man squad. Um, and it has you know it hasn't relied upon one guy scoring the lion's share of the runs. You know, Joe Root kind of his hundred I think mentioned before in the in the in the previous pod was was hugely significant in that it showed how many the, the amount of runs that might be scored by this type of an eleven if they have the one guy who can come out and play the outstanding innings in, in the way that Cody does for India. You know, you, you have the one player that you can rely on yeah. to score get, big get runs. This, get, this, get these guys on, on a pitch that's uh, uh, 444 for three in, in 50 overs. I mean, who knows what they can, what they could end <laughs> up with with that sort of attitude. You know, it's not, it's not quite one-day cricket, so, but it is, it's going down that route. And Joe uh, so, and, and and was kind of, you know, the, the, the confidence that he would gain as a leader and as a player the confidence that the rest of the, that those players will have, will have uh, gained from from winning away from home. I mean, it's huge. I, I played in one or two winning series away from home over over the course of my seventy or test matches, and the, the the feeling that you get as a group, um, and the sort of the, the idea that you can pretty much win from any, anywhere, do anything when you when you when you are victorious away from home, is enormous. So huge confidence boost, regardless of the type of cricket that will be played um, in the West Indies or in, in, indeed in the Ashes later on. It doesn't make any difference. That um, you know, the, the, the feeling of, of winning, the feeling of knowing that you can go out and do something that a lot of people, including us, you know, didn't think you you were capable of doing, just means that you're a, you're a better side for it going forward. Um, there's, uh, there's one ingredient uh, for success that um, Joe Root has certainly had in this, this series and, and going back a, f- a few tests now. And I, I just paraphrase, Miller, a, a headline we had uh, on the site before that third test. Uh, are England genuine challenges uh, to being the number one test side or just lucky tossers? <laughs> <laughs> what is it, eight in a row now? It's, it's, yeah. it and is... one shy of uh, the record, I think. Uh, I mean, you, you can't... You can't can't argue that it's not a factor because clearly tosses have been a, have been a part of uh, win the toss win the matches is, is a sort of refrain that people do throw at, at certain certain games and but batting first in, in all, all three of those tests yeah. certainly uh, yeah. didn't do any harm certainly didn't do I any mean harm. winning the toss is one thing doing the right thing when you win it is another precisely that, 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 that's, <laughs> that's another thing entirely yeah, it's not always guaranteed well it's NASA when you need him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know I, I, I don't think you can I don't think you can read too much into it because ultimately England have England have had to overcome some serious wobbles having won that toss. I mean, 113 for five. I mean, was that a serious wobble? In hindsight, suggests it was. It was a, a perfectly planned collapse in, <laughs> in the first set of call. Um, you know, they they have they they have had. You know, one of the one of the things that you know, that joke, you know always joke about NASA and and his his uh, bowling first at Brisbane. Part of that, obviously, Butcher know better than me, but part of that seemed to be a, a slight. Uncertainty that England were capable of competing. They needed to just hang in the game. Whereas England said, "Nope, we have got the batsmen to front up in these conditions. To hell with it. Let's 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 get out there and roll the dice." You know, a lot of the time, you, you, people do do make the point that it's actually quite a good toss to lose on some pitches, and it's mm. quite nice not to have to make the not, decision. Not sure that, these, that any of these were those. Though, no, but I mean, one of the one of the one of the things that you could point to Sri Lanka and say that they, you know, despite the. The lack of high quality personnel, I suppose, was that if you're if you're playing against a, a non subcontinental team, why why level the playing field by playing on pitches that turned quite as much as they did? Um, you know, I remember 
India Australia are about to, is about to go ahead um, this time in Australia. But the last time Australia were down there in India, they played on one of the worst pitches I've ever seen in Pune, where the ball turned like this. Steve O'Keefe took 12 for. I mean, it completely and utterly nulled the um, the advantage that Indian batting and bowling had over Australia in their home conditions because it was it, because it was so hard to, to bat. All you had to do was pitch the damn thing, and it would turn that far. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know for, for the Sri Lankan sort of while they're doing their hand wringing about <clears throat> about the state of their cricket at the moment, you can also say well, that that tactically you, you you shouldn't play against a team that, that that number one doesn't score big runs, doesn't bat for long, long periods of time and score big runs, and number two has has had a record, Jack Lee notwithstanding now as a new addition they didn't know anything about of, of bowling badly on pitches that were you know that were spin friendly but not Bunsen's mm. um, so you know that f- from that point of view yes winning the toss was, was absolutely crucial and, and, and brilliant on Joe Root but you kind of you, you leave yourself as a hostage to fortune as the home side when you make the conditions as um, as spin friendly and as uh, much of a lottery to bat on at times as the as the ones were in, the, in this series um. England spinners Jack Leach, uh, as Rashid Moeen Ali, uh, the holy trinity uh, for England <laughs> on this tour. Um, it, it, I mean, it all came together. Uh, the conditions, as Butch mentions, the balance of the side. Um, it, 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 are they going to play together much, though? I mean, the, the next tour is the West Indies. Conditions might be somewhat similar. Go to in- India in a couple of years' time, I think. But it, or, or is this just going to be a snapshot in time? It's fascinating, know? isn't it? I mean. <laughs> Again, I go back to the extraordinary balance and the extraordinary options that, that this particular team, this particular squad of players gives England. It is not inconceivable that, you know, they might face a pitch in, I don't know, where are they playing? Barbados, Antigua, etc. Lucia as well. I don't know what the conditions will be there, but we saw the, you know, the World T20 wasn't the most, uh, wasn't the most accommodating, Women's World T20 wasn't the most accommodating for quick bowlers, say. So it's not out of the question that England might look to, to, you know, they've obviously seen what Ben Stokes can do on dead pitches, so maybe, there is a there is a chance for them to to play together again, but mm. I mean, in in the short term though, what we saw, what Which we is shaking his head <laughs> at this, but what we saw <laughs> in this on camera, but just for what those we listening. saw though was with, what I really enjoyed about the, having those three together was was Moeen Ali being and and Rashid, but he was bound to be, but Moeen Ali in particular being trusted to be an attacking spin option, which. I think was 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 vital for England's England's hopes there because you know there was there were moments when certainly Rashid and, and Moeen's um, levels dipped you know they they did bowl badly at times and if they'd been a two two man attack mm. they might have bowled so badly they'd have been hit out of the game what? Jack Leach was there to be the control at that's, all times that's entirely the reason why they played all three of them because yeah. because they they knew it, you know if if Moeen and and, and Rash were the the two first two in terms of the pecking order they knew that if the if the pitches were to turn as much as they they turned out to do that they couldn't afford to have to have what happened in in india and in the uae with moeen and, and rash i.e they both have a bad day and then all of a sudden you're having to bowl scene when you don't want to be and so that's why they they ended up having to play all three of them and it, and it turned out to be you know a, a master stroke and which is why you know i was shaking my head about the, the three of them playing again even in the west indies england will have to play another scene bowler um, and therefore, for me, um, Rash misses out um, be- simply because he, having the control that Jack Leach gave Joe Root was utterly priceless, utterly priceless. It allowed everybody else to be an attacking option, um, and you take you take him out of the take him out of there 
um, on you know on on turning pitches and whatever. I've no doubt they'll play two spinners in the West Indies. Um, then you're, you're you're left once again with the with the with the fear that the two guys, the other guys go bust at the same time and you end up having to bowl seam when you mm. don't don't want to. And so for me, that would be the option. I, and I know people say, well, you know, Rashid's a much more attacking option, but he was only he was only able to do that because Joe Root knew that he had an end locked down in, in Jack Leach. Mm. Um, and so, for, for me, if, if you go back to two, Rashid's the one that misses out. Yeah, it's interesting. I, 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 it, it, I would find I completely agree with the logic, but I, I also think that the, having found a leg spinner who can just unlock games in the way they did in that first innings, mm. it would be a real shame for England to to squander that and 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 put him on put him put him on the sidelines just because they think it's the right thing to do. I think. You know they they have shown a formula here, and don't forget we've got Chris Wokes to come in as a seam option potentially. You know th- there are ways in which this this, yeah, this lineup does not move. He's got to come not... in for someone. Who are you, who are you leaving out? Well, I don't know. There are there are two. There's, a, there's one old stage in particular who didn't play much this winter, isn't there? Just well, no, but he's not in the team. Yet. But put it this way: the the, the last the, the two te- the two teams that England played were basically you know Anderson and Stokes or Broad and Stokes as, as the quick bowlers. Now they're going to have to bring in a third. Quick in the West Indies. I've no, I've no doubt about that. So somebody out of the lineup has got to go. They're not going to leave out Josh Butler. Um, they're not going to, you know, th- that's not going to happen. So the change is going to have to come. They're going to swap a seamer for a spinner. So you have to leave out one of the three. Mm. Um, you know, I, I don't, dis- I don't disagree. The, 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 I, it's going to be a fascinating, <laughs> fascinating selection tussle. But the, well, only, the, only, the only final point I'd say is that having found a way to include Rashid in the lineup without. It necessarily weakening the attack when he has a bad day, it strengthens it immeasurably when he has a good day, and I, I, that's why I would love to see him trusted in that starting lineup going forward. It, but it, I, I appreciate it's not easy to do every every time. Seems to be the ultimate luxury item, uh, like wearing a waterproof Rolex in a Shark Tank. <laughs> um, <laughs> one player who is uh, who is looking to be uh, integral, and and when it comes to uh, sort of uh, who might be left out from the next game. Uh, man of the match in uh, Colombo was Johnny Bairstow, mm-hmm. uh, who produced a, a superb hundred in demanding conditions. Uh, Haven't been asked to bat at number three. Um, he's likely going to stay there in the, the West Indies, you'd think. But is he is he the man? Going back to Boycott's point, <laughs> who's going to line up there for the Ashes? Uh, uh, no, the whole it made me chuckle when I woke up early that morning and saw that he got a hundred batting at three because it's just like, well, you know. Apparently, he doesn't need to be keeping wicket and score runs in test <laughs> matches. Um, who knew? Who knew? Yeah. His, his first hundred as a specialist. Uh, yeah, worth noting. Yeah, true. Um, uh, but you know, the, his his time as a sort of specialist batsman. We're going back to the sort of like, the early part of his career, aren't we? That's you it, know, yeah, things, very much, things um, have changed enormously for him as a as a player in and out since then. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, look, England ha- a, a, trying to find a number three. Could is Johnny good enough to do it? Yes, he is. Um, would a, would a line up with him at sort of at, with Joe Root at four, him at five, look equally good with you know perhaps a, a Jason Roy or somebody like that at number three? Yes, but all of all of those things are all of those things are options. And what I hope now is that Johnny, once the the emotion of the whole thing has died down, obviously he was quite fired up. Um, apparently, but not by anything to do with you know him not keeping wicket or any of that, but by the stick that he'd got for getting injured playing football. I think that was the that was the the story behind him losing his uh, losing his mind um, after after he reached three figures. But you know it, it, there it, it was. Just, I don't know how long I've been going on about it. Three years maybe. But it, he's he's batting in the top order 
England haven't had a number three make a hundred for, for God knows how many test matches, how many innings. I think it was two years and 27 right. tests. England, Joe Root what, in what have England struggled with yeah. more than anything else in the last two and a half, three years, top order runs? Is Johnny Besto one of the best two or three batsmen in the country? Yes. Do we need him as a, as a keeper batsman batting at seven more than we need him in the top order? No. <laughs> QED. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> and, and we okay. got there simply because... Because of you know because all the other options have been exhausted really and Ben Folks has come in and, and kept kept and batted brilliantly. It is extraordinary though just 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 going back to the the, the all round potential of this side. It mm. is extraordinary how how well it certainly feels with where Bairstow, We've talked about this a bit in the summer before. Is that you know he he feels he needs the gloves as a security blanket because everyone in this side needs to have two strings to their bow. And you know looking at the the team at the moment, the most vulnerable players in the team are the openers. Uh, ben, uh, Burns and Jennings, who you know, Bayliss did equivocate when asked, "Are they safe?" He said, "Well, no, not yet. They've not yet proved they've got runs in the long term." And probably Broad, and <coughs> with, the exce- with the exception of Jennings, who's now proven himself to be an exceptional short leg fielder. He's an all rounder. So there's an all rounder. <laughs> Burns, Burns, and Broad, and arguably Bairstow without the gloves are the three specialists left on the side, and Jack Leach, obviously. So they're, they're, you know, they're, these are the guys who are actually the most vulnerable because they don't contribute in more than one department. So you can understand why, 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 why he's so so determined in this team. In a team where you've got Ben Stokes, who's the most all-round of all-round players, mm. chasing down a ball to to, to long on <laughs> to to field it off his own bowling, just to prove that I am the most all-round person that's going in this game. Um, you know, anyone who does anything less than 150 percent contribution, net <laughs> contribution to the side, is vulnerable. It's a, it's a very strange position to be in. Um, oh, and Besto, uh, post-match, he was prickier than a porcupine eating a pineapple uh, <laughs> when interviewed by, uh, I think it was Russell Arnold, who's still kind of unwilling to, to talk about his future as a, uh, long-term future as a specialist batsman, saying, well, you know, we, we never know what's going to happen. Mm. But, um, obviously, Ben Folks was about to be named man, man of the series. Um, George says that I think Johnny around the team has handled things pretty well. Um, is it all kind of understandable, Butch, or does he just need to get his head down and deal he with needs it? To, you won, get over it. I don't know if I've heard <laughs> that said somewhere before. Um, <laughs> he basically just needs to get his head around the fact that he's going to be playing for England as a specialist batsman. The team needs him more as that than they do as a keeper batter. It just, I don't, there's no, I can't see any other, you know, there's no other end to it. I mean, I think there was a quote, my old man texted me actually, he said, uh, just, just uh, laughed at a quote from our, from our new number three, um, who, who'd come to the realisation that batting up the order gives you more chance to score runs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there you go, there you have it. There you go. You know, yeah, bang a number seven with the tail, you might get the odd hundred here and there, but again, as, I, as I've said endlessly for the last three or four years, you could average 50 in test cricket, Johnny. But not keeping wicket and batting at seven. And there's no chance of England saying um, that's all, folks. After <laughs> after his uh, displays behind the well, scenes. Well, so again, to, going back to Bayliss's comments, he you know he equivocated a bit about the openers, but he said that no, folks has done enough to be our first pick for the Caribbean. I mean, it's it's an extraordinary achievement from from him to just saunter in there and look like he belongs. I mean, you know, he said every time he was asked about it, he said he's been to been to Sri Lanka about five times with the Lions and mm. and club cricket as well. So you know, he wasn't exactly going out there as, as, as a <coughs> floundering rookie. But uh, I mean, <laughs> what what a, what a, what a performance it was. Again, it, it is extraordinary how, how the options that this team presents allows England to actually get back to picking 
the best keeper and the best spin bowler available for the role. Yeah. Uh, because previously those, those two it's, were the most vulnerable in any side. Keeping was like silk, oh, wasn't it? It was glorious. <laughs> it was good. Um, yeah, and top run score in the in the series, so struggling to be left out from there, I would imagine. Uh, and and seems like a, a, a nice fellow as well. Good yeah. fellow, looks like a matinee idol. <laughs> the place for Surrey, I mean. What more do you want? He <laughs> looks like, it looks like the, the old, elder BG. I've always found. <laughs> yeah, give him like like a, a bit more boo- bo- bo- yeah, boofy yeah, hair. Good yeah. bit of photoshopping. Yeah, uh, well, you, well, I wouldn't say did. good, but <laughs> <laughs> a bit of photoshopping you did back in the day. Um, you mentioned mentioned Stokes, who the Stokes factor is sort of impossible to uh, uh, overlook. Um, Someone actually tweeted me last week on the, touching on the subject of all rounders, but about the, the lack of discussion of Moeen. Mm. Um, so let's, you know, in the last few days of Movember, uh, <laughs> he, 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 he did pretty well, didn't he? And, and particularly in terms of an, an away series where uh, the conditions favour him as a spinner, it's, it's improved been, his record enormously. It's been his, his, his Achilles heel, hasn't it? Because he's, he's always, in England, in English conditions, as the sort of fifth member of a, of, a, of a bowling attack, which was heavy on on scene bowling, he always come in and taken you know taken hat tricks against India and has taken wickets at, a, at uh, an extraordinary at strike in, rate. In England, um, not you know just dipping in and out of the bowling attack, really not having to, to perform a role whereby he's having to bowl long spells or anything, but just dip in, take wickets, dip out again, and then of course being valuable as a you know as 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 a batsman wherever wherever he happens to pop up in the in the list. So this is the first time, um, really, that he's kind of been a spearhead of, of the spin bowling attack. hasn't you know hasn't scored any runs of any note in the series. hasn't hasn't needed to. We needed him in the in the side to be number one attacking spin bowler, and he's done it absolutely superbly. Um, you know his the, the the work that he did changing changing his bowling action, keeping his his bowling arm sort of in closer to the body with Sacklane that sort of like midway point through uh, through last summer has made an enormous difference to the uh, to the accuracy basically the consistency of Murray he's always had the, that vicious dip and, and spin uh, spins the ball really hard but he's just able to repeat you know, the, the landing area um, a lot more often um, than, than has been so in the past and that makes him unbelievably dangerous and I think you know, he should be I'm really really proud of, of his performance on this trip because it was the one thing that was missing from his CV was to go to Go to the subcontinent, play on turning pitches, and go and be the main man. And he did that unequivocally. Um, you know, there are various points where things could have gone differently in the series. Um, for Sri Lanka's perspective, really, you know, having England 103 for five in the first test, and then all the way to Colombo, where responding to sort of 300 odd, they were 173 for one, and then managed to be two, uh, 240 40. all out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sort of compounded in, in England's second innings there. By the extraordinary uh, episode of Lakshan Sandakan overstepping twice on on, on wicket taking deliveries against yeah. Ben Stokes. I mean, where it's been a tough series for them, uh, injuries to their captain as well. Where, where does where does Sri Lankan uh, cricket go? Uh, in with you know Rangana Herath has has toddled off. Uh, they're in a, in a difficult place. And um, um, is it time the third umpire was adjudicating? Noble. Well, let's let's tackle that first because <laughs> this really gets my wick. To be frank, I mean, it, 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 in, in this instance, the bowler is more at fault than usual because having already screwed up with one noble wicket, <coughs> that should have been his cue. Right, pull my pull my my run up back half a yard. And make sure I stay behind the line. So he's an idiot not to do so. But at the same time, it is absolutely scandalous that that the only time that umpires call 
no balls is when it is a serious moment, i.e. a wicket. Apparently Sky showed footage saying that 40% of his deliveries were over the line (laughs) during that spell. It's mind-boggling. Absolutely mind-boggling. All it takes is someone paying attention to that front line saying, oh, you can't be close. I mean, standing umpire for a start. I'm sorry, but that's that's your job. Yeah. Um, But he's not not Glenn McGrath or, or, you know, a bowler running in, getting really, really close to the to the stumps, obscuring your view, um, you know, or, or you know, something like Colin Croft who might run into the back of you. You're not sort of like panicking about what's going on back there. Just look at the bloody line. He's mm. a, a spin bowler for crying out. And the ICC have trialled a couple of years ago a system where the third umpire looks at it and, and sort of alerts the on-field umpire with I mean, the buzzer. And that seemed to work fine. But that should, that should be perfectly feasible. I mean, you know, all it takes is a, a, live, a live feed from side on and, and buzz it. You'll be able to you'll be able to judge where that foot lands because it stays there for a few seconds because the action of you going through your action means that that foot is not going to move from its position until the ball's bowled. So you got a, you got a second and a half to to judge. Is that my line? Oh, bing! It's it should not be difficult even even as a live buzzer in in, in, in sort of VAR style. I, I, just, I find it utterly incredible that that they're told not to look. Mm. I mean, you because simply because well, there's got w- there's one argument I think that if they mistakenly call a no ball and it takes a wicket which happened a couple of times um, I think there was actually Sri Lanka at Lords and Doug Bracewell in a, in a, a test against mm. Australia you can't then go back and say oh that should have been that was a legal delivery and, and the wicket should stand mm. so that's I think one of the reasons why they have stopped what, calling what, them what you, so you, if, if you, you, if you, you call, call a if tight you one erroneously call one if you erroneously call a tight isn't one a, yeah. isn't a no ball yeah which has happened a couple of times you, I mean that doesn't apply if the foot is clearly the daylight between the, the I line su- and I the, suppose the, boot, the problem but, uh, being that, you, that, that, that in theory the batsman could have decided to have a massive wipe and yeah because he's heard the call which, yeah. also, which we all know as soon as, it, as, soon soon as that go, arm goes out and <laughs> no ball which, then. which we all know never happens <laughs> yeah. and also in defence of on-field umpires I mean you know I, I find it hard enough when, when umpiring club cricket to, to sort of turn your eyes down to the down down to the ground then recalibrate in time for the LBW appeal I mean, it, obviously for spin slightly different but you know if you've got Mitchell Johnson steaming in and you've got to glance down and glance up Where's, where's my line to leg stump? It, it can mess with you. I was at, funny enough, I was sitting next to Jack Chantry at a, um, a Chance to Shine uh, Awards dinner the other night, and he's training to be an umpire. And I was saying to Jack, well, look, Jack, you're, you're six foot ten. It's going to be a bit difficult to to calibrate your, you know, your line of vision is going to be straight down on the top of the batsman's head. How are you going to do the LBWs? And he said, I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about the no balls. That's the. He said, he said that was that was the thing that was that was going to going to going to mess with the, the line of line of sight. So, you know, it, it's complex, especially in this day and age where replays will come back to haunt umpires if they get it wrong. And, you know, there were plenty that did go wrong. I can see, I can see the logic know, why then, focusing on the action area is important for, for the on-field umpire. But if they're sure, going to be told to got, do that, but you've, you've got, got technology to help you out of that, Precisely. haven't you? Precisely. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it is, um, you, you, it's either that or you just, you just don't have them. I mean, if you're not going to look for them, then why have them? Just allow bowlers to roll from wherever they like. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, going back to your other points, where, where does Sri Lanka go from here? Uh, Might be an easier question. To probably is. Actually. <laughs> I. Oh, it's, it's worrying for them, frankly. Um, they've clearly got an awful lot of off-field problems, let alone on-field problems. They, they, you know, the the, the the number of great players who have who have just dribbled out of the team in recent years for obvious retirement reasons is 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 astonishing, and it makes you sort of look back. Obviously, you. you We've been doing a lot of looking back to the 2000-2001 England tour out there, and that victory is made even more extraordinary when you look at the 
exceptional lineup that they had to get through in order to win that. I mean, you know, the guys like you know Tillakratli Dilshan say were were not were at the different ends of their uh, their game to Sanat Jayasuriya or, or Mahela and, and Sangakara. Sangakara actually was a rookie in that one as well. Mm. But you know, you look at that as a whole. The top six, I would say, was probably as good a top six outside of maybe Australia around that same time uh, in terms of absolutely complete solid units of, of batting as you'll get and you know they've not been with the probable exception of, of Karuna Ratney at the top and, and Angela Matthews who's got his his fitness alleged issues that, uh, that interrupt they haven't got uh, players of that solidity let alone the absolute all-time genius flair with the batting in the one hand with Mahela and Sankara and then Murali and Harath latterly um, how do you replace that you the simple answer is you can't and I don't know how they're going to go from here but that said you know they were still managed to win they still managed to, to wipe um, South Africa's nose in it only back in July it's uh, it is an extraordinary achievement to beat them on their own terms even if uh, they're not the side that they used to be so from a whitewash in the subcontinent to a canary yellow pasting in the Caribbean, uh, given the absence of a couple of key players uh, in Sarah Taylor and Catherine Brunt, the fact um, that England uh, took a significant hit from the rain early in the tournament, um, they did pretty well to reach the, the final of the Women's World T20. Um, but their defeat to Australia, Miller, that was a familiar tale. Sadly was. It was, uh, it was the, I think, the fourth time in five World T20s that they've suffered a decisive knockout against uh, against Australia. Three of them uh, now in the final. It's uh, uh, and obviously last time round the the semi final in Delhi, which was probably the the most instrumental defeat that they've had in recent years, because obviously that was the moment that they realised they had to move on from the Charlotte Edwards era and and move into the what's what is the Heather Knight era uh, effectively. And you know they let themselves down on the day. There's no question about it. But the the distance they have come as a team and as a squad. Uh, since that rather dismal defeat uh, uh, two and a half years ago is is remarkable. Um, it just so happens that, unfortunately for them, Australia have uh, redoubled their efforts, uh, particularly after losing that final against uh, West Indies and then getting uh, tanked by India in the World in the World Cup last year. Uh, they just came to this with with purpose renewed and and wiped the floor with them. So, uh, mm. um, what can you do, really? Well, I mean, it, I think if England hadn't made the final, it would have been a failure. Having seen, you know, them seen all the teams play. Um, so you know, having got there, obviously you've got a fifty-fifty chance. I think they they messed up horribly by deciding to to bat first. Um, not in hindsight either, because they they chased runs against India in the in the semi-final um, on a pitch that was improved by heavy dew in the evening. Um, you know, the, the run chase was was so much more straightforward and than, harder for the spinners to bowl. And as, harder as well. Spin, exactly, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so it was bizarre that having having been through that two nights before, that they then decided to go in the opposite direction, having won the toss in the final against Australia. You know, perhaps worried about Australia's bowling attack chasing runs against Australia, Australia's bowling attack. But conditions wise, it was just a no brainer that they they should have chased. Um, but having said that, you kind of you, you you looked at the you looked at the attack, Australia's attack. You looked at their the depth in their batting, and they were the better side. So, um, you know that's just fair play. The tactical decisions aside, Australia thoroughly deserved to win it. Um, and it, it, England, they did miss. In fact, they didn't miss Sarah Taylor with the gloves really, because Amy Jones was was brilliant. You could have you, you could have been forgiven for thinking it was Sarah Taylor behind the stump. So she had a really good tournament. 
um, and was pretty good at, up there at number three. But they missed Catherine Brunt as a batter, actually. Mm. Very much uh, like uh, that, you know, coming we'll in at six. We were talking about all-rounders earlier in the Yeah, the coming in at six. So I don't think they would have missed her enormously with the ball, but because I think the sort of potency there is, uh, has, has waned quite significantly in the last uh, 12 months. She's they missed her as a batsman, particularly in the, in the circumstances they were playing this tournament, because yeah. of the rain, because of the lack of preparation. I think Lauren Winfield went into the final with a, with a duck, <coughs> a two-ball duck was her only competitive yeah. outing of the tour. Yeah. So, you know, having someone like Brunt who could just shelve the lack of preparation and just fall back on a decade of, of experience yeah. of and boshing she, and it. She does bosh, yeah, I mean, she, she gives it a good hit down there and would have, would have shored things up a little bit for him and... Uh, but um, equally, this, they, they were they, not so much in the final because obviously Dunkley got a duck in the final. But they were vindicated in their selection of Dunkley because the one she did come off a thirty odd in in, 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 a in crucial, the West, in Indies, West game. Indies game, yeah. which again didn't 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 win it, but it did save blushes and it was proof that that they got their str- their strategy right and that they needed someone Bruntesque down the order to, to do just that uh, but again it didn't come off because again England were leading a lot on rookies they, they, as we said in the last pod it wasn't really the senior players who came to the party in this tournament it, it, was, it was the young guns and they didn't let themselves down which is a great sign for the future but not so great for, for the present Kirsty Gordon was the England's leading wicket taker mm-hmm. uh, Lindsay Smith did pretty well as well Sophia Dunkley only a couple of innings but yeah there was, there was some promise and it was yeah, significantly that, that senior players um Perhaps going a bit missing. Tammy Beaumont, who was player of the tournament a, a year ago in the uh, the 50 over World Cup, um, made I think 54 runs in in five innings uh, yeah. this time out. And, yeah, um, just couldn't couldn't make anything happen. Couldn't get couldn't get it going at all. Um, and that was that was one of the sort of areas of, of real strength that England um, would have been or should have been relying on, um, which was her partnership with um, with Danny White at the top of the innings and. Just never really got going for either of them, even though Danny made forty odd in the in the final and played brilliantly. You know, it was kind of there was no very little support for her in, in the final, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, t- it was slightly curious as to why um, why Tammy's sort of form fell off so drastically. Um, but I guess that can happen. You know, you're playing in high risk game in 2020. You're not going to succeed all the time, and that's just a, a fact of life. Uh, this was the obviously the first standalone women's World T20. Um, good crowds, uh, it seemed a good engagement. Um, but did it um, did it stress the importance of of getting good pitches, uh, getting the right surfaces oh, for women's T20? I mean, India, the first game of the tournament, India scored 194 for five, uh, but there were only four other scores of 150 plus. And and, and mm-hmm. as it went on, you know those the pitches, the bounce got lower. Got slower, yeah. the I mean, got slower. It, it matters. The it scores perhaps, got lower. Perhaps it matters even more for women's cricket than it does for men's because because of the the relative lack of speed and, and <coughs> strength. That if the pitches do get tired and they do spin, you got you know the, some of the girls bowling at sort of forty eight miles per hour. Very difficult then to sort of generate any sort of pace onto onto the onto the bound um, and towards the boundary. So yeah, it, it does and it and it hurts it as a spectacle in, under those circumstances. Um, but I suppose you know pitches around the around the world, even in the in the men's game, are kind of like you can't you, I can't think of too many that are, you'd now describe as being quick. Um, and so, how fast do you need them to be in order for it to be a quick pitch for a women's game? Do you, do you, do you get what I'm saying? Mm. So very very tough. I think the pitches in St Lucia were were actually all right. We're actually not too bad considering the, the extraordinary quantities of water that fell there. They were pretty good. <laughs> Um, but just saw some 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 low grade cricket from 
what was I think the weaker group really mm-hmm. um, and it, but it did look as though they, they got the, 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 unfortunately the pitches for the, uh, for the semi-final or the pitch for the semi-finals um, was not a good one in, uh, in Antigua the final one looked better but the one for the semi-final wasn't, wasn't good enough really unfortunately well, it won't be too long before the the next edition is comes around a mm. couple of years time, and that'll be in Australia. So uh, it might one, be a little bit quicker. I mean, the one thing I would the one thing I would say about the the tournament overall. I mean, uh, Melinda Farrell touched on this in in her in her wrap up piece, in that the, the two teams that reached the final were the two that happened to have the most professional league, i.e., the Women's Big Bash and, and the Kia Super League. So, you know, the 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 cream rose to the top in in that extent, but but. The, the worry for me was the, was I mean we touched on the the, the weakness of, of of England's group in particular. I mean, you know, with the greatest respect to Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, some of the cricket on display in those games was just terrible, and that's a, that's that's an indictment of the the lack of support that they get at the lower ends of this game. I and mean, there was this FICA report into women's cricket um, a couple of weeks ago, which made was was absolutely prescient in 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 what it said about the you know the the. Sub amateurish levels in some some aspects of of, of the the um, the test playing nations and their attitude to women's cricket, um, and even the other semi finalists. On the one hand, you've got India with a, this massive powerhouse. They've they've descended into this this internecine warfare over Mitali Raj and her her treatment in being dropped from the from the semi final. And you contrast that to the dignified manner in which Charlotte Edwards was jettisoned. Another exactly the same type of twenty-year, twenty-year veteran and super leader of, of of a powerhouse nation. She was basically said, "Hevo, time to move on," and she took it with grace and and has, and has moved on. And obviously, this has turned into a slangy match. And on the other other side of the draw, West Indies, the defending champions, who you know let themselves down in in in, in the semi-final, but. The one thing you can say for them is they brought their support. It was it was reminiscent. I thought there was almost more at, more atmosphere around the women's team than I've heard at a, at a at a men's test match in recent years. And it felt mm. it felt almost as though you know they're being carried in the same way as the men were in the 1980s. There's absolutely no support from from the from the West, cricket West Indies for these girls, and just as there was no support for the men back in the day. But they are somehow tapping into a zeitgeist <laughs> in the Caribbean and, and making something of it. So, you know, you got... It, it's such familiar problems going on at, at so many levels of the game. And, you know, it's going to take more than just England and Australia reaching the, the final every 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 other year to um, to make the women's um, World T20 or World Cup, as it is going to be henceforth, um, make that a, a, a lasting spectacle. Still work to be done there, then. Um watch this space as the official tournament song didn't quite go um, <laughs> and usually uh, for England uh, then uh, we have we've reached the end of the year a month early uh, the men next in action in the Caribbean in January uh, the women are expected to tour India and Sri Lanka I think um, 2018 began with Joe Root hugging the loo in Sydney but he's finished it <laughs> strumming out a victory song on his banjo in Colombo uh, <laughs> Briefly, I guess, uh, uh, but next year, both Test and One Day teams, um, uh, men, men and women, but uh, there are big challenges to come. Are you excited? Looking forward yet? Ta- chance? Uh, we're, I'm we're not to December off. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the Caribbean. England won in the Caribbean since 2004. Um, you remember so it well. I remember it well. <laughs> um, that despite sort of ten days in Barbados after finishing the third Test match in two and a half days. I can remember most of it. <laughs> um, and uh, 
so that's always that's always a great trip, and uh, you know it won't be won't be a, a walkover thing. You know they're, they're going to have to they're probably going to have to find a slightly different way of playing to win win down there. Um, and so that's always, always that's exciting. See what see what they come up with, how they uh, get the uh, the cards to fall when it comes to picking eleven down there. Um, and of course, you know the, the the World Cup. I mean, huge excitement, and, and I hope that the country kind of gets behind it. When is it? It starts on the 30, 30th or 31st of May. So, yeah. And well, then an Ashes series to come after yeah, that. Yeah, small measure. Absolutely. So it's, 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 it's absolutely huge and perhaps we ought to take December off. But it is, it is extraordinary. <laughs> for, for the first time in, in living memory, the, the World Cup feels like a bigger priority than the Ashes to English cricket. And that, that, that says something about mm. a, a sea change in attitude. And that's not to say that the, the Ashes won't be a huge priority when it comes along, but yeah. right this moment, even the, even the, the test team are playing one day cricket. They're, they're that gunning for it. So, um, you know. It's a, it's a it's a real sh- it's a shame that the two things are happening in the same summer really because there 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 ought not to be room for them both mm. um, and there isn't is there because the, <laughs> the fifth test is starting so and the twelfth of September or something isn't it you've got two two of the five right, test yeah. matches are in September um, which kind of proves the point there isn't room for them both but we're going to shoehorn them in yeah and <laughs> well it, in the, it's the spirit of Christmas really isn't it you know there's always room for a little bit more <laughs> and humbug to the ashes uh, says Miller um, uh, there it is uh, uh, Christmas is coming the geese are getting fat um, please put a penny in the ECB's hat the hundred is going to cost millions so I hear um, my thanks to Butch and Miller uh, they'll be back for more very soon as always you've been listening to the Switcher podcast on ESPN Cooking Boat. 